The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner-creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, got a lot of stuff going on this week, huh? I'll tell you, you know, for uh, not doing a show for five weeks, man, it's like nonstop on the phones, yelling at the warranty people. My air conditioning ain't working. The, my fridge, you know, took a shit. Then I go to the school, and then it's like 120 degrees. I felt like I was uh, reliving uh, the very first FSW show at the Rancho Swap Meet. It was so hot in the office. And uh, thankfully... They actually fixed that today. So I was able to sit in the office and be comfortable. Like my downstairs in the house is fine, but it's like now we got to sleep downstairs. We had to get portable air conditioners for the in-laws upstairs because there's just not enough room. You know, Joey's got his own portable air conditioner upstairs, so he's fine. You know, but it's just like, man, like one thing after another. Um. Could it be the uh, curse of Ice Williams losing that all of a sudden your air conditioning is not working? No, I, I think it's the curse of when you try to do things to improve your house or doing stuff like that. Something has to happen. It was like, you know, we got the new floors done. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, the, the fridge goes down. Then all yeah. of a sudden it's like, hey, it's getting a little warm upstairs. You know, we have it set for, say, 80, 81 degrees. But it feels a little warmer. So they come in. It's about 84. So it's not horrible. You know, it's livable. And then they come in, say what it needs. And turns out it doesn't need the compressor or whatever. The compressor didn't work. And now they can't reverse it. So now it's 92 degrees up there. Oh, well, we'll come in tomorrow. It must be this other part. And then it wasn't that part. And then it's like, oh, well, uh, you, you know, your unit's old. You need a new one. And it was like, well, I've been waiting like for four or five weeks for this whole process. Now, how many more weeks do I got to wait to get the oh. new unit when you could have did it the first time? But obviously you weren't uh, wise enough to figure out the issue. Because then when I called yelling and screaming because I had to pay, even though it was a warranty, because of the new rule with uh, Freon, you have to pay for it. And then it was like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'll charge it back. I'm not paying a grand for something that doesn't even get used. And then the lady is like, who was very nice. But the lady was like, oh, it looks like the coil got uh, damaged from the compressor. I don't know why they didn't find it the first time. I don't know. Maybe because you employ a bunch of idiots. What could I tell you? (laughs) Like, if, if your guy couldn't figure it out and then he couldn't figure it out again, you know, and then then they get defensive when you question them because yeah. it's like, dude, do your job. I'm asking you a question. It was like, 
the first day. It was like he puts in the compressor six hours later. It's like after four hours, I'm like, dude, what's going on? You know, it shouldn't take that long. Oh, well, you know, we're testing this and testing that. It's like they're full of shit, you know. And then it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. And it was like, oh, yeah, we got to come back tomorrow. I think it's a, a disconnect, some kind of wiring thing or whatever. And I'm like, oh, you're going to have it for tomorrow? Oh, oh, yeah. I'm like, so why don't you go pick it up now and bring it back and finish it today? And, you know, the response is like, well, you know, uh, I have another I have another gig I got to get to, which is the same company gig. So it's like, so you're going to not make me get it done today because you got to go to that person. I always know when you have an appointment. At 12 o'clock, and if they show up late, oh, you know, the other job went long. Well, how about you right. finish the job instead of going to start another job? Right. Oh, that's not up to me. Okay, well, then why don't you call the office? Why do I have to call the office to see if you could stay? <laughs> so he, he was just a schmuck. So, you know, I told him if I decide to keep going with you guys, because, again, they're supposed to replace the, the, the actual unit. I'm like, I don't want that guy on my property. Right. Yeah. We uh, we dealt with uh, security cameras. And the same thing. It's like we only trusted one of the guys because uh, the other guy didn't know what he was fucking talking about. Uh, it's, it's a shame that all this stuff that is high price items ends up being serviced by people you either don't know, don't care, or are really good, but they're called away to other, uh, you know, like you were saying, oh, I got to go to another call. And it's like, dude, finish mine. But yeah, it was it, like, you know, there was two guys the first day. The other one left early because he had to go to the other gig. Not that I think, you know, the compressor was already installed. So the second day I see another guy there. And then when I finally catch the other guy because he's getting ready to leave, and it's like, well, you're in my backyard. You, you were going to talk to me after you dropped everything off in your car instead of talking to me now? Well, you know, our supervisor was, was here. Why didn't you ask him the question? I'm like, because how the fuck would I know he was your supervisor? I just think he's another guy. Like, I'm a fucking mind reader. Like, man, it is mind-boggling, the professionalism that isn't being uh, taken care of. Uh, that's, that's one of the best I've ever heard. Oh, my supervisor was here. Why didn't you ask him? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, uh, you talked about uh, the the school right now, the uh, the FSW arena. Uh, you said the air conditioning is now working for the office. How is it in the actual uh, hall for the uh, the guys who are in class right now? Is it is it pretty uh, pretty hot or is that unit working well they get let's just say they're getting a good sweat in (laughs) you know the bottom line is we got a couple of swamp coolers you got to fill them up with water and then turn them on and actually turn the pump on which actually makes the water circulate the fan to make it cool right when you just turn on the fan it just blows the existing air but again you can only tell somebody something so many times before you try not to kill them or not want to talk to them again. So 
It's like I walk in Tuesday with both swamp coolers on with no water in them. So if they left at 8 o'clock at night, when I got there, it was 4 o'clock the next day. So it was running, whatever, 16, 18 hours, which can blow the motor because there's no water. But what do they care? It's only going to cost me seven, $800 to replace one or maybe both units because they're both left on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh boy! So, yeah, so so that's been the enjoyment of having to deal with uh, people all week. Wow! Uh, you know, <laughs> it just makes me think. Uh, do you do you then trust getting into a ring with uh, guys who uh, don't understand the concept of motors possibly burning out because there's no water in these fans and they're keeping them? Oh wow! I'll tell you what, shows you how lazy they are because half the time they won't turn the swamp cooler on because they actually got to take a bucket and walk about 500 feet to get the water into the bucket to then bring it over and pour it in the swamp cooler. Like, they'll say, yeah, we don't really need any uh, cool air blowing on us. We're tough. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh Speaking of the school, how have things been going uh, now that you kind of get a, a little breath and kind of get to see, uh, you know, especially this time of year where we're looking at the temperatures hitting 100 and, you know, 10 uh, easily. It does get hot in the ring when you're, you know, when you're rolling around working out. Um, are, are you seeing people who should be there? Are you seeing new faces? Um, is, is anyone using the, uh, the extreme heat as an excuse not to be showing up? Well, they could be using it as an excuse, but if somebody doesn't come to class, I'm not messaging them to be like, Hey, how come you weren't in class today? They're adults or they're close enough to adults that their, their decision to show up is based on them. You know, if they, if they don't want to show up, that that's on them. I have noticed that there seem to be a few less people in each class this week, you know, yeah. but there could be numerous reasons for that. You know, same thing last week, you know, after the anniversary show, we got to go set up the ring. So, of course, there's going to be less people there because the laziness sticks out. They're going to have to actually help set up a ring. So, right. you know, it, it becomes a frustrating process when you're trying to give opportunities you know, there was a few people that didn't get to be on the show. Uh, oh, wait, they weren't there anyway. So if they were supposed to be on the show in the Battle Royal or whatever, you know, the ones who never came to help set up or break down obviously didn't come to the show anyway. So, right. you know, and again, I announced most of the people that were going to be in the Battle Royal, and I knew about four or five spots were available. And I knew who was supposed to get them, but I hadn't really seen them at training. So it's like, okay, uh, the people that I know were around and and the out-of-town people and the the Arizona crew, I knew was going to be there. So I left those few spots open and, uh, you know, three, at least three that I could see, think of offhand. You know, one I haven't seen for, you know, a month and a half, two months. He still cuts promos about who he wants to wrestle, but yeah, you know, if you're, 
that's great, I guess, if, if you're in a fantasy wrestling league, you know, you, you can oh, wrestle man. them in, in your fantasies because you're not there to train. So, obviously, you're not going to be put on a show. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's, yeah, that's shocking. But I guess a, a new norm for, for, you know, just kind of where everything is with the idea of what uh, – success is what fame is what you know everything you can accomplish without doing anything uh you know, I think you, you, you know when it's kind of fucked up when i actually like agree with clutch on anything <laughs> you know and it's like you know he might have made a bad choice because nick Xander is one of the few guys brett the threat that you know has helped from pretty much the beginning, you know, work may get in the way, but a lot of times you'll get messages from them. Hey, I can't make it today. Like they follow the process. But when clutch talks about that younger generation, which again, it ain't like he's a hundred years old or 50 years old, (laughs) but you know, he saw what it took. You know, he he was a guy who moved from Arizona Jacob Austin Young, the same thing. Chris Bay from Virginia, because they thought this was going to be a great opportunity for them, and they wanted to come to Vegas and train at FSW. And it's kind of sad sometimes when there's people that live 10 minutes away and, you know, they just show up infrequently but think they're going to be, you know, pro wrestling stars. And it's like, you know, during the pandemic, even now, you know, when we were talking about the J. Vidal's and Damian Drake's and Lacey Ryan's and Van Griff, that they would show up and they were taught. We're talking about upper mid card main event type wrestlers who would still train three or four days a week, even on their own, if they had to sometimes more. So if you're barely getting on shows and you're only showing up once a week, you know, how much are you really interested in really, you know, taking it to the next level? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And I know, you know, John Cena, biggest name 20 years ago, made his debut, all the stuff that happened this week, you know, with that hype and, John Cena drove across country from Newberry, Mass to L.A. because he wanted to train where, you know, some of the best people have trained. And it, you know, it's it says something about the dedication and where you can go in your career. And you look at Chris Bay right now. Um, that's a perfect blueprint for what it looks like for uh, packing up the car and doing everything you can to succeed. Uh, do you see, and, and, you know, Chris Bay, it's, it's not too far removed from him coming out here, but within the last, you know, 13 years of FSW existing, have you seen a shift recently where there's less of a dedication and more bodies passing through? You know, it's hard to gauge because from day one, there would always be a lot of people who would sign up that didn't last, didn't make it, you know. Uh, 
when the pandemic was still going strong, but everything was closed down because we closed from like March 15th or whatever it was the day after the Mecca on that Monday, we ended up having to close and we had to close the building up until I think it was June 1st. And it was crazy because when we reopened on June 1st, we had like 13 new students all show up at once. And it was like, holy shit, what the fuck? And, you know, people saved their pandemic money. You know, thank yeah. you. Uh, thank you for the government for that. You know, <laughs> because they helped us out because we we had no income coming in. We couldn't do shows. You know, the only income was coming at that time, you know, from from student signups. You know, right. we were fortunate. But, you know, out of those you know, 13 new students, you know, Nick Xander was, was one of those new students, you know, Brett, the threat probably started, you know, three or four months earlier and then it got closed, but he had a little jump on them. And then there was a few others. And, and before that, the Suavecitos or whatever, you know, but it seems since then, you know, we've had some, you know, close, you know, we've done Future Shocks and, and Oliver Canada did did very well, yeah. you know. But other than him, there's nobody brand spanking new that in the last six months had their first match that's really caught fire and is being utilized all the time. It's like some of these guys have gotten close and we have some good people. And, you know, but again... It's kind of hard. It, it seems like it's so much easier these days for somebody to sign up and come in consistently for two or three months, and all of a sudden they're gone. You know, we had another guy that I hadn't seen in a while. I actually saw him at AEW, and it's like, oh, you don't have dues, but at least you can go to the wrestling show. Great. <laughs> and then, you know, he showed up again this past week. Well, that was, you know, I hadn't seen him for a month, and then it was the AEW. So here was a guy who, in the four or five months he was there, let's say five months, even six months, he probably missed two whole months. So, you know, he did three or four months out of five or six, and then he disappeared for two more, and then he just started again. And, you know, it's hard to get that consistency if you're not there. Then there's a lot of them who – you know, oh, you know, this trainer might be too hard. Oh, you know, like a lot of these guys, they want to do what they want to do. And, you know, they don't want to learn exactly the way they're told to learn. Like, you know, back in the day where if you didn't listen, you get smacked in the mouth. Can't do that these days, you know, you know. It's not considered, you know, proper behavior and the managers, the trainers, you know, need to. And it I'm not going to say it's bad that that that's how it is now, but I think it's really helped make a lot of the newer guys softer because you really had to prove. Now, it doesn't mean anybody, everybody was violent and, and all the other shit. But there's also right. a thing called being stern but fair. And, yeah. you know, I think in most cases, our guys have always been stern but fair. And I've seen it with people wanting critiques in matches, and they'll come up to me 
and then be bothered because I'm telling him negative stuff. And it's like, you know, sorry I didn't praise you because you had a good fucking arm fucking uh, hip toss. You know, it's like, well, you should have a good hip toss. But what happened here, here, and here? That's what you need to know about. That's what you need to work on. You need to work on certain things that you're not doing well or you're not doing yeah. right. You know, don't practice it in a match. How about you practice it in practice? <laughs> well, that would just be too logical. Um, yeah. You know, you, you brought up a good point, though, and that is the um, kind of that that uh, that softness of, uh, you know, sometimes you have to use the, the baby gloves uh, to get points across nowadays, you know, the way that we were trained back in the day, it was, it, it was equivalent to being in the military. And I think that's why guys who have been in the military before they become prof- professional wrestlers tend to be damn good professional wrestlers, you know, and it's, you know, it's just sad to see, um, sometimes delusion kind of, you got to look at it and go, you know, it's pro wrestling. You watch this, you see what's done and yet you come in and either expect for it just to be handed to you and happen or it's too hard. And it's like, dude, it's pro wrestling. It isn't, you know. You know, there's a guy we both know, Tom Howard, for example, okay? Mm-hmm. I knew of Tom, didn't know him, met him a couple times. When he came here and he started helping out, I'm pretty sure he didn't change the way he trained people. He may have. You know, he may have mellowed out a little bit with age and stuff, but he was always a guy that was stern but fair and has a great reputation. But he'd run a class and there'd be a bunch of people, you know, they don't study. They don't know that Tom Howard helped train guys like Samoa Joe and John Cena and, and the yep. Miz and the list goes fucking on and on. And, and Matt, Ma- and ability, Matt Michaels and Matt. There Michaels. you go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep, we'll keep that one under, under, under hooks, you know, that one, <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, I don't, hey, want to, I don't want to ruin Tom's resume. That's right. You know, you know, for every Booker T, there's a Matt Michaels. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it ain't the trainer's fault if, if, if it just isn't for somebody. And again, the most athletic people, it may not be for them, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. Tom Howard probably doesn't want to take credit for being the trainer of John Heidenreich. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, he could push that one off on Samoa Joe. So that's there, all right. There, well, there you go. Like Mike Modest, you know, he he trained yeah. Spike Dudley and a uh, couple of other dudes. Uh, the other small guy. What was the other small it guy? Was, uh, it was uh, it was Crash Holly. Or- Crash Holly. But then you got great Kali. And it's like, well, imagine how bad he was before Mike Modest got a hold of him. <laughs> you know? But the guy was you know, seven foot five, whatever he was. And his coordination level wasn't the greatest. Plus by the time he got into the fed and things like that, his knees were shot, which we know we've seen happen with, with guys that are, you know, over seven feet tall, but 
you know, people are looking to be like, oh, well, he trained him. And it's like, well, yeah, he probably also trained a thousand guys who really sucked and never went more than training for a month or two because that's what happens. But if you have a good track record and, you know, anybody can have one person come out of their wrestling school, no matter how shitty the training is. But when you get a place like FSW, you get a place like Santino Brothers, you know, you get a you get a guy like B Boy or on the East Coast, you get the Monster Factory. Yeah. You know, you can't count on one hand how many guys came out of there. So obviously it's twofold. The school has a good reputation, and people that think they have a chance to make it know that that might be a little tougher place to go, but they are on people's radars, which is the most important thing. You know, if you go to a place, I've seen plenty of good wrestlers that nobody knows who the fuck they are just because the connections aren't in place. You know, we got Tom Howard. We had Sean DeVar. We had Allison Danger. You know, we, we have... Sin Bodhi, who still goes down to the performance center. We got yeah. D'Lo Brown. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, don't need to rehash it, but it's like, the, it, it's still up to the wrestler or the trainee to put in the work. And if right. you're not putting in the work, you know, you know, look at the scroll down there. Look at, look at the guys that haven't made it, you know, in the big time, you know, and, you know, Who's going to say Gregory Sharp ain't one of the best indie wrestlers around or Remy Marcel or Cody or Jacob Austin Young or Vandegrift or Jay Vidal, you know, or Damian Drake, you know, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. And, you know, you, you got to put in the effort, especially here. You can go somewhere else and um, people have seen it already in town. You could get booked on a, a bunch of shows in town. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything. You know, to be a champion in FSW actually means something. Yeah. And that and that uh definitely is uh also showing its head with uh guys like Vandegrift who, you know, now that he's in Orlando, he's getting a little bit of opportunities to work some dark. Uh, for AEW, and uh, we just saw Toa uh, on the last Rampage as part of uh, Tully uh, Blanchard's squad with uh, Brian Cage. And yeah, obviously Tully Blanchard's watching all our shit, trying to fuck our talent. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And if there's one guy that Tully Blanchard should be looking out for, it's Brett the Threat. That's a Tully Blanchard guy right there. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, maybe he just wants uh, Brett to get a little more experience. You know, he is young. He hasn't been doing it that long, but he has progressed. You know, he's better than a lot of guys from a lot of schools that have been doing it for three, four years. Nick Xander, same thing. You know, I know they got a little more time in, but sky high. You know, even the Suavecitos, as as annoying as Danny is, you know, they get heat. People give a shit. You know, they can work. You know, they, yeah. they just got to put it all together. Everything takes time. You know, Jay Vidal, he, we knew we saw talent when he was teaming with Parada. But as yeah. he grew, he grew. You know, now, 
you know, he's in great shape, you know, big arms. Matt Vandegrift moved around like a cat, yet he was still a little chunky. But now Matt Vandegrift now has learned how to get in great shape, still does great things. And now he's even actually, uh, you know, new gear looks fantastic. Yeah. And, and he has a persona about him. And yeah. all that stuff takes time. Everybody thinks they're ready, you know, year one, one and a half years in, two years in. You know, to put everything together is going to take some time. You know, even a guy like Cross, you know, he had a lot sure. going for him, but he still had to improve as a wrestler. But he was on the job training. But he was there. He was he. He didn't just show up uh, once or twice a week. He he was there putting in putting in the effort. Yeah, and that's the key. Putting in the effort for sure uh, is is something that means a lot. Uh, when you look at uh, you know this coming month of July, uh, you got a few weeks here before the uh, the first show going on. Does it does it give you a chance? to kind of uh, look forward to where you see uh, now some of the potential matchup stories, et cetera, going. Um, you know, I know there's been uh, the breakdowns of air conditioning and, and a lot of annoyances going on, but at the same time, are you uh, kind of motivated now that uh, this is going to be a refresher, especially after you get back from vacation and uh, you're looking down at uh, what's about to, to, to happen for the next couple of weeks. And how much input do you guys like Remy and Cody have into the next, you know, the next few months of what's going to be happening? Well, first off, 13 years into the business of doing this, I would say in the last year or so, the burnout is real. You know, it's yeah. like you're doing a lot of a lot of stuff, you know, in a lot of cases, you don't feel appreciated for what you're offering people, what you're trying to give them. You know, they're only, you know, it's me, 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 you know, yeah. and sometimes I, I try to go out of my way to get people on overbook, whatever what I, that I've been known to do to give people more chances instead of leaving them off. And them not being appreciative of the fact, oh, well, it's just a six-man. Oh, it's an eight-man tag. Oh, this, oh, that. And it's right. like, well, you know, where are you booked next week, Friday and Saturday, when we don't have a show? Oh, yeah, nowhere. You know, it's like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Like, the the term, you know, shut the fuck up and listen is very unfortunately not as utilized because yeah. – the pet peeves that bother me are, okay, you're in a situation where I got you working with this person. And I told you this is what we're going to do for the next couple months. But yet you got to go on social media and you're chiming in about somebody that you want to wrestle. Well, yeah. that's fucking great. But that's not where we're going. So let's stop confusing the fans. How about getting behind what you're actually doing? Because nowadays everybody, hey, tag a promoter. I want to I want to wrestle this guy. Have him book it. Book it yourself if that's what you want. Yeah. You know, my job isn't to say, 
oh, okay. Uh, Brett the Threat decided he wants to work Hammerstone for the heavyweight title. So, okay, Brett, that's what you want to do. Uh, what do you want to do, Ricky Tenacious? Hey, what do you want to do? Then it becomes, you know, why does one person deserving? Well, right. one person's deserving because they put in the time and they put in the effort. So when a Remy Marcel or a Hammerstone or a Cody or a Jake or these guys who've been around forever, then you got another group of a guy like a Jay Vidal who I trust because he's done what I needed him to do. And you, you trust those guys, the younger guys, just listen. You know, when you're going to go in there, you're not going to tell funny bone what to do when you've been wrestling (laughs) for a year and a half, because he will tell you to go fuck yourself. You know, yeah, and I'm pretty sure a Cody would and, and and the other guys. It's like they also those guys also know what I'm looking for and how it needs to be done. You know, just last week, you know, I got to you know, things have been going on. Haven't really had a chance to sit and talk with them. You know, Remy gave me his, you know, his critiques of the anniversary show, you know, who he likes. And, you know, it's pretty similar, but. There's certain people he's higher on than I am that sure. I feel that they have, you know, they have a ways to go. The thing with Remy and me is I see everything that goes on, whether it's amongst the school, what they're talking. You know, Remy's looking at not the full package. Remy's looking right. at, hey, he's on a show. He watches what they're doing. He's not really backstage politicking to see you know, how that guy's acting. What is his attitude like? You know, is he helping out in any way? You, you, you know what I mean? So yeah. now certain guys, you know, are more deserving in my eye. And again, I'm the boss. I make the decisions. I'll always listen. I'll listen if Nick Xander and Brett the Threat and the Suavecitos have something to say. Doesn't mean I'm going to do what they want. But... I will listen because they might have a good idea. Why would I not want to have the best idea out there? You know, the sure. faction, they're always talking, always, always got ideas about things. Fucking Braxton, he's always got an idea, you know, <laughs> you know, ice, you know, those guys got ideas, you know, and, you know, you see certain guys like a fresco, you know, yeah. Fresco is one of the guys that's more advanced, that's a regular guy, who I'll see at training a lot more than anybody else. Yeah. You know, and if you watch the improvement, you know, if you look at Sky High, they're, they're, they're a very good tag team. Well, two years ago, they were a really good tag team. But if you look at Fresco two years ago, and he was teaming with Mondo De Niro, they were fucking terrible. And Fresco put in the work and Fresco changed how he looked, persona, work effort, and now he's involved in one of the main groups and in in a main event style program because those guys kind of put it together. Watson, you know, he moved to Vegas. Makes him more apt to be in around and now maybe him and fresco can do more stuff together and practice and do things it's like trying to do what's best for you if you want to be a weekend warrior you can 
but you're probably never going to become a, a, a top guy here because right. other people are going to outwork you. And, it, and it's, it's hard to get to that level when somebody else is putting in more work. You know, as I've said, a hard work, the, the hardest working guy is going to get a lot further along than the best athlete. Because in a right. lot of cases, the best athlete has always been the best athlete and feels he doesn't have to work as hard to get there. Now, when you have a special guy who's a great athlete, and then he does, then you see them become the champion. You see them getting signed by other people, you know. But that's not necessarily true. Look at Toa. The guy had been wrestling for a year and a half. Yeah. But he, his, his attitude is fantastic. He looks like a monster. He's, he is humble as can be, willing to listen. So it makes you want to use the guy. So then, obviously, he goes to AEW Dark. And his, his presence is felt by the, the upper echelon people. And he yeah. goes out and he gets signed. And screws us out of our tag team champions. <laughs> you, know? you know, more power to him. You know, congratulations. You know, just wish he had we had him longer because he's yeah. so talented. And, and that's the big issue with what we're doing. You know, when a guy like having these great guys, Cephas and Bays and Lacey and Cross, they're all going on to the next level. Yeah. You know, and thankfully not everything's WWE. So in a lot of cases they can go elsewhere. But Chris Bay still got a really busy schedule. So, you know, right. he, he's on some shows here. Hammerstone, you know, this guy's a star. Yet, yes. you know, he'll be on our show July 22nd. He'll be at the Survival of the Fittest August 21st. You know, he still makes our dates. And, you know, that 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 shows you that despite all his success and what he's doing elsewhere, he likes being here. Well, because he doesn't have to be. Yeah, and there's a, there's a very good point too with that that I think kind of gets lost, and that is, you know, I think when the fan support is like it is here, it makes it easier for guys to then want to reciprocate that love and perform for those fans. And I think that's one of the things that you see here that you don't see in other places. Um, and, and, and in some cases, like GCW, it's hard to, you know, you're, you're just going, you're, you're performing in front of fans who are grateful, who are across the country. But that home base really isn't, you know, as, as strong there. You don't have that sense of home. Um, but I think that that's one thing that really, you know, shows – up very well is that a guy like Hammerstone could come in, could have the championship three times, can hold it longer than anyone's ever had it. And yet no one is turning on Hammerstone. No one is going, I'm sick of this guy because he's so good at what he does. And he leaves it all in the ring for the fans. And that's, you know, that's very, very, um, you know, he, he could, he could be somewhere else. But MLW gives them that really nice opportunity to do that and give back, you know, to the the fans here. And that's 
that's remarkable. And I think that that's really something important that, um, you know, these guys sometimes don't get recognized for, you know, Chris Bay, the same thing, you know, Chris is the first guy who will raise his hand and say, Hey, I got the day free. What, what can I do? And that's, it just, it, it's so important that not only do you love what you do, but love where you are and love those people that are around you. And I think that that's the atmosphere that really draws, you know, guys in who would love to stay for, you know, 15, 20 years. If, you know, like Toa wasn't having twins, you know, the Joe Falco money, I'm sure probably wasn't getting the twins through college and his other kid. No, it might've got one through college, but definitely not both. But you know, but is using, that- using Chris using Chris Bay for an example, it was like you know a few days after the uh, anniversary show. You know, he made a post. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm a little uh, disappointed. You know, I didn't get to make the anniversary show because he knows it's a big deal for us, and a lot of great things happened to him at our anniversary uh, shows that we had. And yeah. he always loves to represent as much as he can. You know. AEW weekend, you know, he worked for us on the Thursday show and the Friday show, as well as working for Revolver and the GCW show. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and I believe he also worked uh, the Black Label. You know, he yeah. is a, you know, he is a proud representative of FSW and being an FSW guy who's perceived as a Vegas guy. Yet he's a Virginia guy. But he yeah. flies the Las Vegas flag of FSW as if he is, you know, born and bred, you know. And, you know, that goes into, you know, the relationship that we had from the beginning. And he, he's been forever grateful and extremely loyal, you know, yeah. to FSW, you know. And he's a guy who's really not wrestled elsewhere he made his name in fsw and he's basically kept it there you know gcw they 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 come out and do a couple shows a year their national impact things like that so chris bay isn't looking to work a million dates so you know he's generally a guy who, who who stays very close to where he started uh cross was the same way hammerstone the same way you know and those guys have helped build what the reputation of FSW is. You know, FSW right. doesn't have the reputation because, hey, Joe DeFalco is the greatest guy in the world. No, FSW has the reputation it does because people feel they're treated well. So yeah. the ones that feel they're treated well, in most cases, it's because of what I've helped them accomplish or things like that where you know obviously there's the bitterness from people who felt that they deserved more didn't get it well that's great if that's your opinion then you choose to go somewhere else you know and no harm no foul i'm not i'm not going to be pissed off at somebody what pisses me off is when people who were given opportunities you know try to not even acknowledge that and act right. like, oh, what a what a what a piece of what a piece of shit, what a piece of garbage Falco is. Why? Because I didn't give you a title? 
Well, you weren't deserving of the title. So you weren't deserving of the title in my company. Now, yes. if you're deserving of a title in that company, great. More congratulations. You know, more power to you. They wanted to put their eggs in you, you were the egg in the basket. And you know, we have so many guys. And you know, Gregory Sharp finally won his first title in FSW. Yeah. Gregory Sharp is excellent. He's a great dude. He's been extremely helpful for years. But I didn't feel he was deserving as Hyperstreak to be a champion. So he wasn't a champion. Yeah. And then when he transformed, he turned he opened up so many eyes because people talk like, oh yeah, about time Gregory Sharp finally won a belt. Well, Gregory Sharp's now won some belts in town, but nobody else put a belt on him for the first nine years. You know, yeah. why am I the bad guy? You know, I give it to who I want. It's, it's my decision, you know, and look at the guys who've held titles, you know, from the heavyweight title. It's not just handed out. No limits title. The guys that have had the belt recently, Vandergriff and Jay Vidal and Chris Bay and... Ice Williams and Remy Marcel and Damian Drake. Yeah. You know, these, these are guys that are still, in some cases, guys that were here six, seven years ago, Cutthroat Cody, Jacob Austin Young, yeah. you know. And these guys, 7, 10, 12 years later, they're still a major part of a roster. You know, how crazy is it that you look at our core roster – and you see so many guys that have been around for more than seven, eight years. Right. There's more of those guys than guys that have been around for two years or less. Right. You know, we, we, we infiltrate new people, but we're still able to keep things fresh with a core roster of guys that have been around pretty much forever. Yeah. And I think that goes to them also understanding that, um, you know, there's it's it's not that you're in a position on the card because of politics. It's because of growth. It's because of what's around you. It's because of the ideas that come creatively as well. There's so much more than, you know, like you said, oh, just put a belt on me. What the hell, man? Uh, I think that you can see if some of the wrestlers who come out at FSW school, they can go. I, I think Sky High is a great example. They got their first title, you know, tag team titles, uh, Best of the West, before they've even won an FSW tag title. And that's not a knock on them. It's just that in that company – it was the right time for them to win the titles. And I think a lot of guys kind of forget that it's like, you have to have that open mindedness to there's so much that goes into it that you can't just finger it on. Well, you know, Joe was stupid because he didn't pull the trigger or Joe doesn't like him or, you know, any of that bullshit where the truth is, is that if creatively things are going and they click, you usually will run creatively and go with it. And, 
you know, in Greg Sharp's position, I think what a what a nice way to um, build it because you didn't just go right away for hey, okay, you change his character. Ooh, the crowd kind of you know they hate him. It's this is nice. Let's let's just drop it right away and here he goes got the title and that's that. It was a wonderful journey for this past you know almost two years to see the character build out of you know what was the ashes of hyperstreak and if you pull that trigger too quick it becomes less impactive and i think that it doesn't tell the story that needs to be told we're also in a society that that's a problem too we like to binge watch now we like everything fast and that puts pressure on you as a promoter to then kind of balance out between what is too long, what is too quick, and how do we keep the fans engaged? And I think that that's something that a lot of people lose focus on. Well, well, look at Gregory Sharp. After Hyperstreak, we had him disappear for a few months, and he came back out of nowhere laying into a guy who had just gotten hot over the last three to six months in Jay Vidal. And... It played perfectly into the bitterness of Gregory Sharp seeing what people consider the flavors of the month. And, you know, some of the flavors of the month catch on and stay, and some of them catch on and and they dissipate and they disappear. You know, Jay Vidal was hot as a firecracker, and we said, okay, we're going to give Sharp this opportunity. He had mentioned Jay Vidal. And we were putting stuff together, and I'm like, okay, th- this is a perfect uh, feud to where we're going to go. And I felt at the time that Jay Vidal, in the long run, even if he didn't win the feud, it wasn't going to hurt him. Because if yeah. Gregory Sharp, if he's going to bounce back and then lose, eh, that, that, that's not going to help his long-term progress. Right. But after he beat Jay Vidal... I guarantee you any promote, not any, but most promoters would have immediately jump-started him back into feuding with Remy Marcel. But instead, we had Remy get involved in a program with another guy that we thought had great upside and awesome potential and kind of fit was class. So we bridged the gap. We, you know, class won the cash in the case. He cashed in. And we kind of let that flutter for a while until they had the cage match at No Escape. So now we're talking about from the anniversary to No Escape, that gave Gregory Sharp another six months to sharpen his skills. But it now got Remy to get his title back. And now we were ready for Gregory Sharp. And we've gotten that time frame. You know, my biggest pet peeve of, of WWE is that it just continues without an end right? and with no rhyme or reason of why something's going to happen, why the feud, you know, things like that. We set everything up in place to now that became a hot feud when Gregory Sharp comes out of nowhere. And now he is ready. He feels it in, you know, you can feel it. You know, Gregory Sharp feels now is the time Remy Marcel. I'm coming for you. And, you know, we had a great setup for it. And, you know, you know, it worked so well that 
because people love title changes that people actually pop for Gregory Sharp winning. Well, and, and, and it goes to show, too, I think, that the fans of FSW are smart as well when they understand how much work, you know, a guy like Greg put in over the years for that crowd. And they know, they know they haven't seen him win a title. They, you know, even if you're a newer fan, you can pick up on that feeling of energy in the crowd just because of that. So it, it's wonderful to see again, the fans kind of chiming in and, and giving that love. Um, even though they're going to hate him, you know, at the next show, they gave him that moment that was well-deserved. Uh, when you, you know, you, you brought up WWE t- television let me ask you, um, there's mixed feelings on the Elias-Ezekiel angle. When you watch that and you see a guy like Kevin Owens, do you think it's guys like Owens that really are kind of the stars in a wrestling company? Um, not the face of the company, but the stars, because... Those guys take whatever's given to them. They go 100% on it. Is that something you like to see when you watch wrestling? Is that something you like to see in the guys that come through FSW? First off, there's so many things about WWE that I can't stand. But I love the whole Ezekiel Elias thing. And I never cared about Elias before. I just pray (laughs) that... Elias is like Earl Hebner and has a twin brother, Dave, (laughs) that Ezekiel shows up and is actually real. Like, that would be the best payoff of all time. And the crowd would go berserk. Because they're digging this angle as it is, but they're digging it, as you said, because the way Kevin Owens is acting toward it. You know? And, And actually... It seems like WWE actually has put forth an effort to make it seem like it's real. Yeah. <laughs> Whether they're sitting next to each other and they got that big painting behind that makes it seem like, whoa, 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 you know, th- th- this could be real. You know, <laughs> like everybody knows, or at least everybody believes there's no chance in hell that it's real. Yet everybody wants to see the payoff. Yeah. And it isn't always like that. You know, nobody cared about the Happy Corbin, Madcap Moss payoff. And now you see Madcap Moss and it's like, boy, why did they waste that dude for so long? Like he could have probably been a star. But instead he was a goof for whatever reason, you know, WWE's way of humbling him, you know, whatever. It's like you got to give credit where credit is due. You know, the whole bloodline angle was fantastic. And the Ezekiel Elias, you know, it's a mid card thing where Kevin Owens, who a lot of times he's, you know, upper mid card and, 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 and main event stuff, his stuff is way more interesting to me than the whole edge thing, you know, and, and him turning and, them laying him out and Finn Balor, who wasn't even over anymore, becomes the leader. And it was like, that's something that should have had a long-term build that yeah. for whatever reason, they decided 
whether it was the supernatural shit that Edge didn't want to be a part of or whatever, but Edge would be was the perfect guy to be that leader till you turn on the leader. Like right. there was what's the payoff? You know, like so now a guy who's been perceived as a loser is now the head of your faction. Okay, I guess. Like yeah. I is is anybody clamoring for Finn Balor versus Edge? I don't know. I thought we seen it already, you know. Yeah. But heel Edge would have been nice to see for a while. Like, so again, Edge is now a babyface. Oh, okay. Why is he a babyface? Oh, because somebody beat him up. Oh, right. <laughs> so he got jumped by his cronies, which makes him look like a fucking jackass. So now we're supposed to cheer this guy who was dumb enough to let these guys jump him. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. It was kind of like when John Morrison first, I always go back to that. You know, Miz and Morrison, they got drafted separately. Uh, Morrison goes to shake his hand. Miz lays him out. Oh, John Morrison's a baby face now. Yeah. Oh, okay, because <laughs> that makes any sense whatsoever. And again, with WWE, they don't care because 95% of the people are just going to watch it and they're going to be fine with it. And the 5% of us that are probably, you know, over 40 years old, they could give a shit about us anyway. So who cares that we we try to at least incorporate some logic. So right. when I'm booking and promoting and stuff, I try to put logic into it because as a wrestling fan, the, the, I hate certain things. You know, when guys kind of work out their finishes and it's like, one, two, oh, and the manager pulls the guy out. And the referee's an idiot because he didn't know who did it. And it's like, uh, we already know who did it, so he should be disqualified. It, it, it's just, to me, it's a cheap spot to just get to a finish without actually putting any thought into it. Wait, and, you're, t- you're telling me, Joe, that when you're in the middle of the ring and you're wrestling and you're trying to beat the shit out of the other guy, and then someone you might have had crosswords or opinions with in the past, his music hits, and you stop what you're doing, and you wait two minutes to yes. see if he comes out. You mean yeah. that isn't logical? And you stare. And then yeah. when they want to really get crafty about it, they have the guy come from the other side. <laughs> And it's like, you know, things like that, you know, there's certain things you watch and they talk about, you know, the, the, the Katie Vick triple H thing that if you're watching with marginal wrestling fans, they're like, really, you like this stuff. (laughs) And there's those cringe worthy things that are just horrible. And as a wrestling fan, if anybody that's sitting there with you is asking you, you really have no explanation for how idiotic it is. And, you know, I try to make sure that we don't do that. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, and again, you know, thinking about the fans and, and just the, the way Las Vegas is, um, whether it be FSW or even, um, one of the major companies when they're in town, uh, (laughs) if you, do something like that. If you do something that's illogical, um, absolutely lame, just, you know, something that's not working, something they've seen a million times, um, they'll let you know it. 
And I think that's the other thing that, you know, the fans are very, it's, it's not even being smart. It's just that they don't like their intelligence being insulted by seeing the same thing that they've paid 60 bucks to see time and time again. And I think that's why you're seeing, you know, that question of uh, trying to, you know, fill a Legion stadium versus, you know, UFC starts running that same night and you got to bring it over to a smaller venue. And one of the reasons is, is look at how much money you just put in to AEW weekend. And now are you going to put that same money in for you and your family for WWE um, when you might not be happy with, you know, those angles and the stuff that you've seen before or feel is just, just lame. Along those terms, uh, you know, since it just happened today, Logan Paul is signed officially with WWE. As Great move. Promote, it was, right? It, I Great can't move. Believe, uh, there's people out there who are just like, just shitting all over this, isn't it? Because not they don't like of, him. He's so, portraying a role. His role yeah. is he's a heel. I think they're trying to make him a baby face because that's what he wants. But I, I think in the long run, it ain't going to work out because he's naturally a guy that he's easy to hate. You know, he's yeah. made all this money from YouTube doing the boxing, but he came in and he did a really good job. He's got natural personality and charisma. He is way more established than The Miz was when he first came in from MTV. And they yeah. made him the host on SmackDown, and he was the shits for a long time. Logan yeah. Paul has got this – social media is the big one of the biggest things. He's got a huge following. It's no different. You know, I was joking on Facebook today, you know, uh, Pat McAfee versus Bad Bunny versus Logan Paul, and then somebody added Gronk to the mix. And it's like that would be the biggest four-way in, in, in WrestleMania history. And yeah. it would be all these guys – that aren't re aren't really wrestlers, yeah, because they would bring so much between Bad Bunny's following from the Latin side to Gronk from the sports side, from Logan Paul to what he's done, and and everybody who really respects Pat McAfee, yeah, yeah, and you know, and I think too what you what you see is that idea of overreaction versus ability and what was fascinating and i think that there isn't really many times you can think of where you can go you know they ended up having bad bunny and pat mcafee and logan paul all within a two-year time frame and every single one of those guys has paid off which is Usually not the case. Usually it may be one out of three hits. But these guys really just, you know, for everyone who's bitching about NXT becoming that type of product where it's going to be a development where you have more college athletes and, uh, you know, celebrity types, etc., going through that system, I think they forget that if you look at those guys who – you know, didn't have wrestling experience and what they've been able to do. I think that helped them go, you know what, we're going to change the business a little bit and we're going to focus our development on people like that. 
is that something that as you as a especially owning a school is that something that you see as a good thing or something that might in the end kind of hurt the schools around the country because if people see that hey i'm famous so now i can become a pro wrestler as hey i've trained hard and i want to become a pro wrestler and then if i get famous that's great is there some kind of conflict there and and maybe something in the future that will deter people from training no because a lot of people who train are wrestling fans that this is what they want to do if you're good enough you're going to get an opportunity you know a few years yeah. ago uh we did one of the meccas i'm not even sure if it was the one before the pandemic or not but uh uh, Hulk Hogan's son came to the uh, show. Yeah. What, what's his name again? I know it's, it's Nick. Nick Hogan. Nick, Nick Hogan. Nick Hogan. Yeah. Okay. And he came up. He's like, bro, man, this I love this show. This stuff is great. Blah, 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 blah. You know? And he was interested in coming down to train. And it's like, bro, how great would it be? You know? And at the time, we also had... Uh, uh, Chris Benoit's son, David Benoit, who's been training on and off. And yeah. he called me up and he was interested in maybe coming because he knew D'Lo through people and things like that. And it's like, whatever advantage you can get, it's like, did the world stop? Did, did people not train because David Flair got a gig in WCW, regardless that he was terrible? You know, it's like, right. you know, Rey Mysterio's son, you know, he yeah. got fast tracked on his training. He trained over at B-Boys. Now, yeah. was he a guy ready for the major league roster? No, but it doesn't matter. You know, if you got if you could be positioned well, you know, who, who would have believed Pat McAfee was going to pull out a great match with Adam Cole? You can give Adam Cole as much credit as you want. But Pat McAfee still had to execute what he needed to execute. If he yeah. fucked it up, there was nothing Adam Cole was going to be able to do. But he didn't fuck it up. He did really good things in the ring. And in some cases, these guys are very athletic and they go in there. And they, they are capable. You know, Bad Bunny had some stringent training, wrestled yeah. in the match. And everybody was like, holy shit, this motherfucker was good. And it wasn't, oh, he was good for a rapper. No, he was good. Pat McAfee right. was good. Logan Paul was good. You know? So somebody who's good that has celebrity status in the world of entertainment, did, does Will Smith's kid get a record deal because he was great or because he was Will Smith's kid? It's no different in acting when Gandolfini's son gets to play him as a younger role in The Sopranos, guy really didn't act at all. He got in, he got that gig. If he was that good, how come we haven't seen him in any movies or shows in the three years since? Right. Yeah. You know, and people can get a role. Now, if they get the longevity to continue to do it, obviously they probably become good at it. Anybody right. can get that role. Now, the idea is getting the second role and the third role, and it's the same thing in wrestling. Uh, 
what was it? Uh, the rapper guy that he was feuding, I think, with Leo Rush. Uh, he was trying to train at Rikishi's. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, wasn't it? Talking uh, a lot of shit. Yeah, wasn't it Bow Wow? It was Bow Wow. Little Bow Wow, yeah, because then he yeah. became Bow Wow. And, oh, he was coming in and he was going to wrestle. And we haven't heard a thing in a year and a half now. Yeah. Because he didn't put in the effort. He didn't put the work in. David Arquette. Oh, he was a joke. He's a goof. They put the belt on him. How could they do it? Well, they did it because he was going on The Tonight Show. And they got their belt seen and heard about. Did it work out for them? Eh, probably not. But it was a shot that they took. But David Arquette, 20 years later, busted his ass and yeah. became a competent professional wrestler that actually had more people give a shit about the business that may have not before. Yeah. So anything that enhances the pro wrestling business, me, myself, is all for it. I've always tried to get people. with, You know, King Mo came down because he was buddies with Kenny King, and then King Mo later on ended up doing stuff with MLW and – you know, he was a world-class fighter who happened to love wrestling. Yeah. Probably the only person I ever seen mark out when he got a chance to meet Disco Inferno, you know, at the training center. <laughs> we, I first thought this guy's joking, like, oh, my God, Disco Inferno, it's so great to meet you. I'm a big fan, blah, 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 blah. Like, really? King Mo's a fan of fucking Disco? <laughs> you know? Because people watched it and they grew up with it, and a lot of people yeah. have a love for it, and if they – they can get a chance to do it. Of course they would. Yeah. Um, let, let me ask you along those lines, uh, as we're kind of getting close to ending here. Um, is there any performer in Vegas? If you had the chance to pluck someone off the strip into the, you know, FSW fold for, for a storyline, who do you think you'd want to take? Well, first off, let me tell you. When we had uh, uh, Phil Baroni, we had Chuck Zito at ringside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As well as like Forrest Griffin. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like when that happens, people people pop for it. You know, they, they give a shit. You know, yeah. they give a shit about a guy who does a, a tribute to Michael Jackson in Santana Jackson. Right. Like, how over was that dude? Like, Rich Swan loves that guy. You know, it's like he's wearing his shirt on, on impact, you yeah. know? So there's a lot of these guys that, that they love wrestling. If I was working at a club and I got introduced, he was walking in the club, talking to my boss, Suge Knight. And it's like, I know he's got a lot of heat, but man, if I can get Suge Knight to show up at the show, why wouldn't I? It People, want to be in a place that's perceived as cool. So if we could make FSW cooler because this guy's here or that celebrity's there, shit, of course I would. You know, whether I like the guy or not doesn't mean anything. You know, we rented our ring to Penn and Teller for some stuff that they did. You know, I would rather have exchanged it instead of a ticket for those guys to come down to the show, you know, and and do things like that. Because sometimes people are fans of celebrities, which we know we see, you know, 
TMZ, all this stuff. Everybody wants to see these these people and, and get a moment and take a selfie. Like, if we do a show and it's like UFC, you know you're going to see these celebrities. Right. Man, you know, I'd, I'd love to have – I'd give up selling 20 front row to have 20 celebrities at my show because I guarantee <laughs> you at the next show I'd have a lot more tickets sold right. because, oh, shit, this place must be cool. Like – Oh, FSW, FSW, or especially now, you know, if Elon Musk goes on Twitter and says, oh, I'm going to Vegas, I'm a big wrestling fan, I'm going to go check out that FSW show, (laughs) I guarantee you people who do not like wrestling are going to show up just for the opportunity to see him there. And again, he's kind of polarizing. Some people can't stand him and some people love him to do and and that's yeah. how it is with all celebrities you know my buddy works for floyd mayweather well, love to have floyd to come down he's got experience he knocked out big show right <laughs> well you know and if uh you know if you play your cards right you can get uh maybe a, a guy like carrot top who could probably give uh you know, some of your best physical specimen guys run for their money. Well, you know, uh, Sin Bodhi was great friends with Amazing Jonathan. who used to come down to his yeah. freak shows and, and do stuff like that, you know. But to get those guys and have them involved in a way, you know, it's just a cool thing. You know, it's, it's like the cool thing when Rikishi shows up to see his son win the Nevada State title and cut a promo and people sit there for 12 minutes just listening to his promo and being very respectful and excited that they got to meet Rikishi that day. And whether it's an, a, an ex-wrestler who was, you know, like Jake the Snake when he's, when he's made, you know, appearances for us, you know, all the way down to, you know, any celebrity if they're there. You know, that's the first thing we do. Hey, everybody, let's welcome, you know... Penn and Teller, whoever it is, right? You know, Jeff Dunham. <laughs> well, as we uh, wrap up here, uh, final question for you. Uh, like we said, get ready to take a trip here in July. Um, is there a favorite vacation that you uh, had in your life? No, not really, because I haven't really had that many. You know, we used to go to Disneyland a lot. You love going there, you know. But when I was older, you know, I went on my honeymoon in Hawaii, and I had gotten fired from my uh, job as a DJ uh, like two days beforehand. So it was kind of really hard to enjoy it. My parents at the time had a timeshare, so we had the, the you know, we had the the room and everything paid for. But it was like. We had to go to one of those fucking uh, timeshare things just to get a free luau meal. Like, we had to sit there for two and a half hours, you know, acting like we gave a shit because they gave us a free luau. So, you know, went on a cruise for the first time. That didn't do anything for me. It was like you stop in Mexico to three different places and you got to leave four hours later. Like, so you're basically spending your entire time on the cruise eating. Yeah. So at least now, you know what? I can go on the beach. And again, I'm not a big beach guy, but the, 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 the color of the, uh, of the ocean is so much clearer 
You know, I watched yeah. Jaws when I was little, and I'm 100% honest that I am afraid to get bitten by a shark still from watching Jaws. So <laughs> I will not go in above, like, my, my uh, midsection. Well, just keep this in mind, man. That was an East Coast shark, so you're good. You're good. Yeah, well, Bahamas is on the East Coast, too, so... <laughs> You know, if I don't get swooped up by a, a hurricane, I could get eaten by a shark. So, you know, I got to watch myself. <laughs> and that's how Joey, that's how Joey took over. Well, right. Then I'm going to have Rocky T and, and Joey running the thing. I, you know, <laughs> but I do got some uh, two huge matches to announce for July 22nd. All right. Here we go. Here we go. You know, what do we got going on? July 22nd, 7 p.m. FSW High Octane presents new beginnings. All the new champions, as well as the current champions, will be on hand. And the first two matches signed are title matches. Between former champions, TBD will defend the tag titles for the first time ever in a two-on-two match with no other teams against the former champions, Death Proof. So, that is a huge match. And then, Jay Vidal will now defend the No Limits Championship July 22nd against the man who beat him for the title, who then lost to him for the title, Matt Vandegriff. Wow. Wow. That was one of the best matches on the show, at the anniversary show. You know, they've wrestled three times. Jay Vidal's got two wins. Matt Vandergriff's got a win. And Matt Vandergriff and Jay Vidal will wrestle. Hammerstone's going to be there. The faction and new uh, Cash in the Case holder, Braxton. Braxton the Case, he will be there. Gregory Sharp will be there. So this is a, a show that's going to feature... You know, the biggest names in FSW. We have Viva Van returns. We're going to probably have uh, information about the FSW vacant women's championship. Uh, we have Davey Richards returning on Survival of the Fittest show on August 21st. So we, I, I have kind of rejuvenated myself. Other than dealing with the other bullshit, usually I'm dealing with the wrestling bullshit. Now I'm just dealing with life bullshit. So, but I'm excited. You know, we have more than three weeks before the next show. And it feels like, man, I can't wait for this show. So, you know, I'm excited. Yeah. And remember, uh, tune in to the FSW network for $6.99 a month. And uh, you'll be able to see High Octane on July 22nd. Uh, and you also check out all the, uh, the past FSW uh, shows and, uh, you know, look up some of the matches and see some of the people maybe you're not familiar with, or uh, you're just getting to know. And, uh, you know, that's uh, also, we're going to have a, a select, we have one celebrity appearance lined up. Uh, David Lawson will be on hand. Uh, he'll be taking selfies for five bucks. Uh not that you have to give him five bucks. He will give you five bucks to take a selfie with him. So a lot, a lot of people are looking forward to that. 
Is it true that you give Lawson, uh, if it's at the arena, you tell him it's at the uh, Silver Nugget, and if it's at Silver Nugget, you tell him it's at the arena. So he uh, has to do a little more uh, driving to figure out uh, where to go. No, because I tell him it's at the, at the Silver Nugget, and he shows up at the arena, and he ends up being right because, you know, he, he isn't that bright to begin with. But D'Lo Brown, uh, I, I believe, showed up at Jerry's Nugget, as did Kenny King the first show we ever did at the Silver Nugget. Kenny went to Jerry's Nugget, and recently D'Lo Brown went to Jerry's Nugget. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, hey, hey. I'm not. I'm not going to be the one to say anything uh, negative about Kenny or Dilo. So uh, I believe that they are smart gentlemen. And I believe it was their choice if they wanted to go to Jerry's Nugget. So yeah, I think they had a, a a lobster buffet there. So he actually stopped to eat. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, Joe, for uh, this coming week, we hope that. Uh, You'll uh, have some uh, cool air running through the house and not have to put up with all of this uh, Vegas heat that's going to be, you know, really cranking up here in the next couple of months. Fourth of July, right around the corner here. Uh, Any uh, any place you're going for the fourth or you guys just kind of sit back and uh, have a good, uh, you know, good day at the house. Yeah, maybe I'll barbecue some food. I'm not really big into fireworks. I could honestly care less. You know, I was never a fireworks person. I never lit fireworks, you know, kind of like Jaws. I thought I'd blow my fingers off if I (laughs) try to light a firecracker or something. So, in all honesty, I have never lit a firecracker. Wow. I've held a sparkler, though. I've held a sparkler. (laughs) That's as far as I've gone. <laughs> oh, man. So you could have been security for Gilbert is basically what it comes down could to. Could have been, yes. <laughs> well, everyone, uh, have a happy 4th of July. Whether you have lit a firecracker, will light firecrackers, held that sparkler, or just love seeing the night sky light up with the uh, fireworks from around the valley. And uh, if you're around the country, uh, the same thing. Enjoy that 4th of July. And uh, we'll be back next week. And I'm sure uh, Joe will have some uh, fascinating stories, uh, more fears and phobias, more uh, more problems with uh, whatever happens next to the house. And, and, of course, some wrestling thrown in in between. So yes, uh, we, got, we got some we'll talk about. Until then, everyone, everyone have a wonderful 4th of July, and we'll see you guys then.